forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. What sins have you committed? <laughs> well... Hey everyone, welcome to Forgive Me, Father, a podcast where we discuss how certain aspects of life and a walk with God go together or don't mesh so well. Through discussions of personal vices and victories, we hope to help you, the listener, understand others more and create conversations, no matter what you've experienced or believe. Most stuff has been kept to a minimum, like even outside traffic noises or like other people running around or, you know, like the people I was interviewing, their spouses were pretty silent and pretty quiet. So, yeah. But that, that was the time I was like, okay, this makes sense. This is all coming together. <laughs> Interesting to see the back back end of this. That was mm-hmm. in the podcast. Not too many times, but a whole lot. So it's interesting yeah. to be on the other side. <laughs> yeah, I it's it's weird like how much knowledge I've accumulated already about how podcasts work. And now I'm like, hey, we have to do this. Mm-hmm. We have to do that. Like I'll contact you about this. And I'm sure yeah. like, so for me, it makes a lot of sense of why I would do all of this different stuff. But I remember the first person I interviewed, I was like, yeah, okay. So I need 10 seconds of silence. And they literally st- just sat there like, like didn't move. Did I didn't, I didn't really under- yeah. explain it well. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's nice <laughs> to be able to, to, to know how to execute things. But now I right. still wonder like how, what it's like on the other side. Like if I had yeah. been asked to do something like this, I'm sure my my reactions would be completely different. Mm-hmm. All right. So today we have Scott Bellavia coming to us. We're going to talk about deconstructing. What does that mean? How does that tie into our relationship with God? And more importantly, how do we reconstruct a relationship with God? Because we don't want to just stay at deconstructing, but also reconstructing and moving forward in a relationship with God, if that's something you'd like to pursue. So Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And we met through a friend of mine who was also your sister, Anna. Uh, Her and I worked Mm -hmm. together at Starbucks for quite some time. And then when I was starting this podcast and getting a lot of different feedback and ideas, uh, her, I, and a friend got together and we were just kind of mentioning different topics and stuff. And she said, you'd be a really great person to talk to. So I said, absolutely. Put me in contact. And and I'm really excited about this topic. Yeah, me too. I really like talking to people about it. Yeah. So I guess if you want to give us a real quick rundown of, of how you grew up or your religious experience, and then we'll get into deconstructing and reconstructing. Sure. Uh, I grew up going to church. It was a big priority in my family's life. My parents are Christians. Then I went to a Christ-centered university and there through different circumstances, I realized I wasn't a Christian, um, especially, specifically sophomore year. And after that, I just pursued things outside of God, tried to live a life uh, without him as the basis. And then through other circumstances, I came back to a realization of his existence. And so now I try and live for him and um, this church and Christ are a really big priority in my life now. Yeah, I remember when you and I talked before this, it seemed like you and I had a very similar walk with God in terms of like the beginning, growing up, going to church and huge part of the family life. And it seemed like you were you were the perfect person to talk to about deconstruction. And for the listeners, can you give us a short 
definition or, or your definition of what deconstruction means in terms of a walk with God? Yeah, that's good. Um, definitely other people have different interpretations of it, but what I've seen in different uh, outlets is people who deconstruct, they uh, grow up thinking a certain thing through church or family. And then when they become independent and living on their own and having to think for themselves, they uh, realize that not everything is the way they were taught. Um, And so that can be traumatic, but just eye-opening as well. Um, And so, so in continuing to deconstruct, you kind of learn or teach yourself what you used to believe is not the case anymore. Yeah, I think that's, that's the best definition I have. Yeah, for sure. I think a way that I've kind of been able to simplify it, at least for my life, because it is such a, it is such a big topic because you can deconstruct almost anything, any ways of yeah. thinking. Uh, and for me, it was learning how to deconstruct the areas of my life that had become toxic in terms of relationship with God. Whether it was something that my mom had taught me, that a mentor had taught me, that a church culture had taught me, or even an understanding that I had myself of what the Bible was trying to say or what I thought it meant to to live for God. Uh, Mm -hmm. For me, it's being able to take that idea and kind of strip it down to its roots, strip it down to its uh, scaffolding almost, if you want to look at it like actual construction work. And look at the root of everything and, and kind of then put that up to what is it actually supposed to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's, that's kind of been my experience. So for you, what were some, what were some ways that you grew up that you eventually had to, to realize or like were, that were things that you were like, okay, I need to rethink this or I need to reassess this sure. in terms of my walk with God. Yeah. Okay. So I, don't think I ever really learned the reason I believe the things I did. It was kind of just who I was growing up, going to church. My school friends knew I didn't cuss. Um, kind of the big difference that I saw is more just kind of a collection of characteristics of a Christian that I believed um, were important to uphold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then being at a Christ-centered college, it's really easy to skate by not being Christian because everybody assumes you're one. You have to do a statement of faith in the application process and that that'll kind of screen out the Mm, Um, mm non-Christians. But with chapel five days a week and a Bible minor and all that, it's really easy to get by without people, I guess, holding you accountable or seeing you deeper. Um, And so I did that for the first year. I think I, I realized my second year though, that I wasn't a Christian because I didn't see growth or progress in my faith. And mm-hmm. even now it's taken me time to process that I never really understood why I believed what I believe. Um, and so in my second year of college, I tried to figure out what I did believe. If I wasn't a Christian, then what was I? what was important to me and at the center of the faith is God um, obviously in my mind. And so if I wasn't a Christian, I was like, well, 
I guess I don't have to live for God or do what he says just because he said it. Um, I guess I'll just live for what I think is the best way to live. So that's what I did my second year of college was I flatter myself to say I got philosophical because there's no like, I can't quote Aristotle off the tip of my tongue or <laughs> I didn't do a philosophy 101 class even, but I just got really deep into my head thinking, I think too deep, but thinking really critically about things, the way things worked, how government worked, how family works, how love works. Um, and I prided myself on being a critical thinker in that regard. Um, but all of that was my own logic. And it was in an effort to keep God absent from it. Um, so I didn't use the Bible to prove any of this. And mm-hmm. what was really silly, I can see now, was that I was using my own logic and expecting the world to hold to those standards that I hadn't even voiced out loud. So no one's going to hold to that standard. And then human being what it is i couldn't even hold myself to the standard that i developed mm-hmm. so, so laughable now but um so real back then um so i was in that mindset for about a year and going to chapel every day coming home going to church and my parents being christians um but being in that mindset of knowing I'm not a non or knowing I am a non-Christian at that point, uh, it got really overwhelming. It's just a big burden to carry around because uh, I couldn't tell. I felt like I couldn't tell people. Um, maybe I would get kicked out of college, or I didn't know how my family would respond. Um, but eventually, I ended up deciding to go out on the Appalachian Trail to have time and space to think and experience God. And um, that's what happened is that he presented himself to me in a way that I couldn't deny, can't deny. And um, now through a long process, the things I know now are based first in what he has decreed and what he wrote in the Bible to be truth. Yeah. No, that's, I think for me, I kind of have a similar background in terms of, I just kind of believed stuff because my parent or my mom wanted me to believe it. It was the standard. (laughs) This was how I survive in this household. Like if I don't want to get grounded, I got to make sure I go to church. I got to make sure that I don't curse. I got to make sure I don't even in high school, like go out and party, which I never got invited to anyway. So that was never really an issue. (laughs) Uh, But I had to follow these rules. And it was, I think to me, it was like those set of rules became like, oh, that means I'm a Christian because I'm, I'm staying within these guidelines with these bounds of, of following Christ that the Bible says. And I was baptized when I was in second grade. And I remember clearly thinking, I was like, I'm terrified of hell. This isn't, I'm not, doing this because I love God. I'm not falling in love with God or excited Mm. to follow his rules. It was, this is what my mom expected me to do. And hell sounds like a terrifying place. And what, what 10 year old kid wants to go to hell, you know? Right. Yeah. But that makes sense. How, how you got to 
college and even within a Christian college, it's kind of easy to continue to follow those rules. It's easy to kind of present yourself as being a Christian. You know, you had done it your mm. whole life. What were some of the emotions that went through your mind as you began that realization? I would imagine that some of them might be like, kind of like even like a culture shock, like, oh my goodness, like, is everything that I realized or everything that I did up to this point crazy or, you know, all for nothing? What was, what, what were your thoughts? Those thoughts actually happened after I became a Christian. Um, mm. Just back on it, in hindsight, I was, I thought a lot about whether I would have gone to hell um, before my sophomore year of college, because at that point, I really believed I was a Christian. And I remember telling my friend, a junior year, we were on a camping trip, and I told him my story, and we had grown up together. I remember valuing his opinion on what he thought of me to have not been a Christian when that's what we both believed I was all our childhood. So I, I think ultimately I realized it didn't matter because I didn't die and I didn't have to worry about what happened. But that was, a, that was definitely a struggle for a time. Mm-hmm. I remember during that period, though, I only had really one confidant, probably that I allowed myself to talk to about this sort of stuff um, and not really ever voicing or understanding why I didn't tell anybody else. But there's just something to that, that I wanted to keep it secret because I knew, well, I didn't know what people would, would say or what would happen, but it was so personal that I didn't want to share it with the world. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like when you're a kid or you're in high school and you're following the, you're following the Bible, it, to a certain degree, whatever degree it might be, at least in the beginning, it's like, this is because this is the culture around me. You know, like my family mm-hmm. is Christian. And so we follow these rules and kind of what we were saying earlier, like you just do this because this is, this is the norm. And I think when I told my mom, I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to follow God anymore. I kind of just want to do my own thing. I was incredibly scared of the the rejection that might mm-hmm. come along with it, you know, because it's just in your sure. mind, because it's normal, anything that goes against the norm is met with rejection, is met with hostility, is, yeah. you know, uh, and so that made me yeah. scared to, to voice anything uh, when I first had that realization. That actually took me a little while to tell her that I had sure. stopped going to church or I had stopped joining this ministry and the, the, cult, the church culture I was a part of. Yeah, I remember, uh, so the, if you know the book and the movie Into the Wild about Alexander McCandless? Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. I read that book. I don't know if I read the book or watched the movie first, but I, I saw it and read both of them multiple times. Anyway, his story really influenced me. And what happens is he's a college graduate and he rejects society completely. He donates his life savings and he wants to live off the land and his his goal is to make it to Alaska and just experience nature in its purest form. Um, it's a real story that happened. He died in 92. Mm-hmm. Um, but his, his story was so inspirational and it's affected a lot of people in a similar way, but it made me want to go on the Appalachian trail. That was kind of my comparison to him. What I had because growing up in Roanoke, the AT is so close. Um, and I was big on hiking. But anyway, I remember that I wanted to do that personally, and I came so close. I was 
I was going to bike up to the trailhead without telling my parents because that's what he did. And, <laughs> but my friend, the confidant I mentioned, she told me, I told her that I was going to bike there without telling them and run away. Um, the, I told her that the night before I did. And she told me to tell my parents just for safety's sake. And she just knew that would be better. And so I told them I had this plan. I had it all mapped out but they were really supportive of it and didn't ask questions. Um, they just picked me up when I was done. Dang. That's crazy. I, yeah. that's amazing. Like how supportive that is though, because I think a lot of people are scared to even, even to mention it, you know, and we need that little yeah. boost to be like, yeah, no, no, you should probably just, you should probably just be safe. Cause for him, yeah. it was, you know, he went out and, uh, obviously didn't come back, unfortunately, but yeah. I mean, it's, it is great that you were able to, with the help of, of your confidant to be able to be like, Hey, this is something that I'm really want to do. This is something that I need to do, you know, like for whatever reasons. Yeah. Uh, and I think it really yeah. does speak volumes to the amount of support that, that your family does give and the amount of love that the family has regardless of, you know, cause I think we all have to find our own way. Mm. Even now my mom is kind of going under this transformation of, of, I need to follow God because this is something that I want to do. And, and she still considers herself a Christian, but uh, mm -hmm. her and I have kind of walked side by side for the past few months of her going to different churches, figuring things out. What does she believe her personal relationship with God, things like that. So yeah. but it does take a lot of guts to, to even for yourself to realize like, Oh, I need to give this some time. I got to reassess all yeah, of this. For sure. For you, you had said that you had, you became very quote unquote philosophical, you know, in your, in your mind about yeah. things that had, had gone on. Did that involve like looking at certain scriptures and, and seeing like, this is what I've believed versus what I believe now, or was it all just kind of like this introspection of, of, of your walk with God and your relationship to him? That's a good question. No, it was all introspective. I write for fun. I started writing during this time, writing in essays to process things. There is no resources or bibliography or anything to prove anything of what I was saying. So it was all <laughs> me thinking of what, just putting my thoughts to pen and paper. Yeah, it was just all my perception on what I thought was going on and the way adults worked and the world works. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's so tough. I think at times because in, so in my walk and I have become incredibly introspective as well. I'll think about my memories and I'll think about certain, uh, certain church events that I went to certain church events that I spoke at certain small groups that I led uh, and that kind of goes into it's it's almost like a rabbit hole where I'm like, okay, well, this is the first layer. And then the second layer is like, how did I feel during that? And then if I felt healthy, I'm like, okay, maybe this is good. Or if I felt unhealthy or I felt fake or inauthentic in any way, I'm like, okay, well, this needs to be looked at even deeper. And then it kind of goes to this other level of like, okay, well, why? You know, why did I feel healthy? Why did I feel unhealthy? And for me, it became very close to and obviously I'm still digging through this, but a lot of what is at the, the root or pretty far down that rabbit hole is this is the approval of other people. Um, I felt really good because my close friend who also used to be in the ministry with me would give me really good feedback about the, the devotional that I led. Or I would 
get compliments from certain people about the song that I led during Sunday service. And that's why I felt healthy or like unhealthy was because I felt like I wasn't doing enough because I didn't get complimented. And I think a lot of that stuff was in my head too. Like it wasn't just like people feeding me toxic information. It wasn't just, you know, cause most people in church never have a hidden agenda behind it. You know, it's never this overt yeah. poisonous toxicity. Um, yeah. But I think for me, I had become so enveloped in what people were saying, how people are going to react that I actually started following the church itself and the rules itself rather than just, rather than just the Bible and, and, and loving a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So I think along with that, you, you deconstruct and for you, writing was really helpful. What was that? And this kind of gets into reconstruction now, you know, you you're taking apart these ideas. What was the point where you were like, okay, now that I've, taken this apart and and in most sense you still are you know there are different elements where you are continuing yeah part right when did reconstruction become a very conscious decision or a conscious thought of like yeah i can't just stay here with with taking apart these things i got to start to rebuild uh yeah when i was out on the at the way god presented himself to me i was i had been out hiking for a day and a half and didn't see a single person uh the second day i was out was the longest hike I'd ever been on. It was, I, could, I think it was a marathon of hiking. And without seeing people, that part of the AT was overgrown. No through hikers had been out there for a while. The trail wasn't well marked. So for whatever re- for all those reasons, I started getting really scared, recognizing that I was the only one out there. And my parents knew generally where, like what my pickup and drop off location were, but not exactly where I was. Um, if anything happened to me and I just couldn't shake feeling, even though it's generally a pretty safe area, I just couldn't shake the feeling that I recognized that I was the only one out there. So what happened exactly was that I started singing songs and reciting Bible verses that I hadn't sang or read in a while. Um, and those gave me comfort. I think God put those into my head to give me comfort. Um, and then a little down the trail, a deer was out came on the trail in front of me. And what I remember to be walking ahead of me for seven minutes and then looked back at me and left the trail. I just don't have another explanation for that than God presenting himself as being there for me. Just cliche I remembered about uh, he as the deer pants for water. That was just a symbol of God. I thought that deer being there in those Bible verses and songs. So all that to say, in all my philosophizing of God, the whole purpose was to work around how to understand things if he wasn't in the picture. And now I know that the only reason we have these processes or anything is because he created them. So it's, there'd be nothing if you didn't exist. But at the time, especially, well, specifically on the AT, I just recognized that God existed and does exist. And in my, uh, praying that night in the tent and reading the Bible. It was less of what most people in the church know as a sinner's prayer, where you repent of your sins, say you regret them all, you accept God and uh, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross to forgive of your sins and uh, ask him to be your Lord and Savior and uh, get you into heaven. That's kind of like a general definition of what evangelicalism, evangelism, 
is about. Um, mm-hmm. There's less of that, but my prayer that night was more, well, I'll see what God has. I'll, I'll look at the Bible, see how he, what he's presented philosophically is the best way to live because that's what I thought the Bible was about. Um, yeah, so it was, it became more, and that's where I started to reconstruct is at the very basic level, God exists. So how does that shape and impact the way I think about these other things? Yeah, no, that's awesome. And it's so different when you decide to continue, when you decide to reconstruct and pursue a relationship with God, because for the first time, it's like, this is me and God truly, you know, Mm. when I grew up and and like how you grew up, we kind of went through these steps and these phases of I'm learning this. This is what I know. This is this, this is that, this is the way that I act. Uh, And then you go through this deconstruction and you go through these realizations and you kind of tear apart all of this stuff. And then when someone actually wants to pursue a relationship with God after that process, it's just different. You know, I, I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't really know how to describe it. Um, yeah. but it's like, yeah, this really is me and God for the first time. This is a genuine pursuit, you know, and whether it's like a process or whether it's like reckless abandonment of chasing him, you know, cause I know uh-huh. I've talked to a few people who've, they have that a moment similar to yours. They have this moment where they can't explain it and they're like, yeah, God, yeah. let's just go all in. Like, let's, let's get after it, you know? And that's their, yeah. their walk. Who are we to, to say that that's not right? And, but even for you, and I think for me, even at a, at a slow, at a slower pace for me, you know, it's like, okay, God, well, let's see, let's see what we got here. Let's, let's, let's see what we were, we're yeah. working with, but it's so sincere after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really perceptive. I like that because I see a lot of people and even in the top of topic of deconstruction, it seems to me that people sit in that and it reminds me in the abolition of man, a collection of essays or sermons by C.S. Lewis. He talks about people who deconstruct for the sake of deconstructing. And at some point you just break it down too much where you're not even talking about anything. And mm-hmm. I think that's the error and danger and continuing and sitting in, re- in deconstruction. Yeah. Yeah. So for my life, I, I would say I'm definitely still in the deconstruction phase. I don't know exactly where I want to go with my relationship with God, mm-hmm. but it's been really healthy for me to know that like, okay, if I want to pursue that again, this is going to be me and God. You know, like I, I've, I've always kind of felt like this and maybe it's the philosophy minor in me, but it's, you know, I don't ever want to stay in one spot because you're right. And CS Lewis is right. That becomes to a point where it's superfluous and you're just kind of like talking hot air. You you ain't talking about nothing at a certain point if you don't do nothing with it. If you become almost like a, like a, a hollow version of whatever you, whatever you choose to become. So even atheism, you get to this point and you're like, all right, well, I don't believe there's anything. But then it's just like, okay, well, what, what do you, like, where do you go from there? You know, and there's a certain reconstruction in any form of what you choose to believe. So I've kind of thought through, okay, well, if I become agnostic and I believe there's a higher power reconstruction for me instantly becomes, okay, well, where do I set my, my beliefs in my morals, my Mm -hmm. values? What is that based upon? Let me reconstruct yeah. In agnosticism. I think there's always been a higher power out there. There's, I, don't, I don't see myself personally being an atheist, but it's like, okay, well, if I don't believe in anything, 
what do I do? What do I pursue? What do I go after? Yeah. Reconstruction is so important. You can't just stay in, in deconstruction. I think that's just logical and natural too, to have a basis for something. Cause if you reject the idea, if you're an atheist, reject the idea of a, of no God or of a God, then what's the meaning to life? What, what purpose does it serve for you to pursue anything? Yeah, for sure. And you had talked about your reconstruction of, of like figuring this stuff out with God. Uh, are there any, any major points or any, anything that really sticks out to you in terms of your own personal reconstruction that really brought great victory and, and, and even a, a greater closeness to God that you hadn't really experienced before? Yeah. Um, I, I told you about how I, on the AT, I adopted the Bible kind of as a book of philosophy and mm-hmm. figuring a way to live. Um, and that's something deeper where I've had difficulty my whole life understanding the concept of eternity. And that's what I believe um, I'll go when I die is heaven. And then you can get into the Bible about the new earth and um, mm-hmm. well, that's eternal, which is just like a terrifying concept. Like I'm excited to go to heaven and have a new body and all that, but forever is something I can't comprehend whatsoever. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's why I looked at the Bible philosophically. It was like, I guess when you, you pray the sinner's prayer in my mind, it was about getting to heaven, but I wasn't in a hurry to get there. So I, <laughs> I uh, just wanted to content myself with what life was like on earth. And that's, that's how I read the Bible for a couple of years. And then it was a really memorable moment on campus at college. My wife now, she's my girlfriend then, uh, I phrased that she told me the meaning of life at that point. She said that our life is not about us doing as good as we can for ourselves or being as peaceable with people. God created us for his glory. And uh, so we're to honor him and serve him and please him and glorify him in in the way we live our life. And that was the like changing moment where I began to understand a really foundational truth that really directs the Christian life. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of scriptures in the Bible that talk about, you know, you become selfless. Jesus was selfless. You know, it's not just like, Hey, I'm in my own head now. And I'm like working towards this on my own, but learning how to, you know, the very first thing that, that Jesus told his apostles and Mark was like, follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. You know, that was like, Mm -hmm. that was kind of the goal. Yeah just to live your life in a way that glorifies God, but also that shows God to other people is, is a huge part of a walk with God. And so mm-hmm. it's great that that's yeah. like, that's something that you, you came to realize and, and reconstructed in terms of like, Oh, this is no longer just head knowledge. This is no longer just an idea in a, in a, in a religious book, but this is also, this is how I want to live my life. This is the way that I can show God through my life uh, is being able to have yeah. that connection. Exactly. I think for me, when it comes to reconstructing or even the idea of, of moving forward, and, and, and it's very small, is that it's learning to let go and put faith back into people who follow God. Uh, I think I still have bitterness and some hurt, maybe some resentment towards my old church. And not that they were never overtly like oppressive or overtly you know, whatever. It was just, it was just, I felt like my, I just felt like 
trying to phrase this in a way that doesn't come across like as, a, as attacking the way they had presented some things, it kind of fed into my mind of like, Oh, they just want this out of me. And even though it was good intention and began to feel like, feel like a business. But one thing that has been great about letting go deconstructing now reconstructing is that I'm a lot more open to the idea that like, there can be a church out there for me. There is a church out there for people. Yeah. Yeah. That, that it is possible to walk with God in a very healthy way and walk with others who walk with God in a very healthy way. Cause I think at my darkest moments in my walk with God, I was like, forget other people. They're useless. They're meaningless. Like it's just me, God and a whole bunch of other bodies until, until him and I get together to talk about the afterlife at the pearly gates. (laughs) Yeah. That's, uh, that's really good. Not that I'm an expert or a leader, but I think that's really mature. What I've seen in people that are deconstructing and in deconstruction, again, they sit in it. I didn't have the experience like you did of unhealthy preaching or just hurt by a church. Um, you can, if that's not the incorrect phrasing, then you can correct that. But Very good. people that I've seen deconstruct have genuinely been hurt by somebody in some way or they reject their faith because of oftentimes I hear it's because of a relationship that they know they shouldn't have with somebody. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just kind of all unraveling just for the sake of either justifying a sin that they want to pr- continue in their life. Or again, there's been genuine hurt by somebody or a teaching in the church. And that's really easy to put a lot of blame on somebody. Um, but I think it's our responsibility to move on from that and not just continue rejecting what we used to know because that broken relationship came from those beliefs. Um, That broken relationship came from sin and the fact that everybody's a sinner. So I think when we, when we think about deconstruction, deconstructing, we need to think about like, for instance, your pastor uh, that preached something that you see as harmful. Now he believed that for a reason at some point, I think it would be open-minded and mature and you could grow a lot from it to think about why he believed that. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously if he was justifying um, some kind of sin against somebody personally, that's going to be wrong. But if you, if you disagree with something just in its own, or if you just have kind of a scholastic disagreement with something um, and you reject that now, I think it'd be wise to, think about why somebody else does believe that. Yeah. And, and there was never any harmful preaching, you know, it wasn't like we're going to condemn, you know, all these people. I think for me, for me, it, I needed, I needed to see grace more, not like, Hey, have grace with me, like coddle me, you know, all these different things, but I'm incredibly hard on myself. And so when I started to realize that, that, so, you know, <laughs> yeah. but when I started to realize that I was following rules, it's because I was like, oh, if I get, if I follow these rules, then there's grace. If I mm. do certain things, then, then, then God, it, it became like by this godly person accepting me, God then accepts me. And therefore I'm in grace with God. But if I don't do something right and someone comes and corrects me, then I'm with outside, I'm outside God's graces. And they never overtly preached that. They never said, Hey, you're not in God's graces. It was just what I thought for my own walk with God, it became an unhealthy balance of, of grace versus 
everything else, you know, in terms of, in terms of Christianity. And so that's, but I think you are correct. I think the way the pastor preached, maybe he had a better concept. He probably did. He probably does have a better concept of what grace means and how grace ties into what we do and, and with God and stuff like that. And it was just something that was really hard for me to understand. And now I have to go through and I have to deconstruct that to where if like, if I went Mm -hmm. back and I heard the same sermon, I, I would say, Oh, that's, that's fantastic. That makes total sense. And you're right. I can't put my personal understanding or like my shortcomings as a base level for, for like, this is why this person's fundamentally wrong because everybody's walk with God is just different. Mm -hmm. Boy, am I learning? (laughs) I don't know nothing yet, but I'm, (laughs) I'm trying to learn. That's, that's the biggest thing. So obviously we've, we've talked a lot about deconstructing and reconstructing and I'm sure listeners out there have faced similar experiences. Maybe they don't call it deconstructing. Maybe they don't call it reconstruction, but for anyone who is looking to, to go through that similar experience with deconstruction of, of their walk with God and their set of beliefs and, and things of that nature, what are some, what are some advice that you could give to our listeners about deconstructing? Um, well, coming from a Christian faith, I don't think the goal is to, if you, if you find yourself deconstructing, I don't think I have advised deconstructing, um, and (laughs) how to do it properly. But I think that there is going to, there is room for doubt because I believe God is the ultimate reality and the Bible can stand on its own. There's a ton of room to question and ask things that might seem offensive. Um, and I think in a, in a Bible believing church, whether you're in that or not, find one that is willing to answer questions and get into the dirt and talk deep with you and answer questions without being afraid of rejection. I guess a good way to do that would go to a pastor that you don't learn under. So maybe some other church that, you know, or just somebody that you value their opinion. So if you're, if you're worried in being shaken by your faith, I think God's bigger than doubt. Um, yeah, so that's what I have for people deconstructing. Yeah, obviously, like, we don't want to be like, hey, you should question everything you've ever done. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's that's not the goal. Because I think people who are very solid in their faith, that's awesome. If you feel like mm. you're really going after it, and this is something that you strongly believe, and there's total sincerity, and you know that it's not harmful either to yourself or to others in any way, go after it, you know? But I know for myself... Mm-hmm. And for, for Scott as well, having questions or, or needing deconstruction, it's great to have just a tidbit of advice, you know, because it's such a vague thing. And like you've already shared, it's yeah. a dangerous thing to go after if it only becomes deconstruction. Yeah. And I think that's, that's very true. I'm trying to find that scripture that talks about a man's heart is like deep waters. But I don't know where that is. I got like a Bible app where it's like, oh, I can look this up and hopefully I can look it up in time to respond, but it didn't happen that time. But yeah, Proverbs 25, 20 verse five, that says the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. And obviously there's a ton of deep waters. And if, if your heart has deep waters, it's, it's good to draw them out, but also it is really important to talk to other people as well. This isn't something that you should dive into on your own ask questions, talk to people who are trustworthy, talk to people who have, who who even have different perspectives. Like you said, like a different pastor or something like that. It it might be helpful to get other insight. 
uh, and not just the culture you've been a part of. Yeah, you can't do anything on your own and you're not going to get the truth if you dig into your own head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was one thing when I left. I had talked to someone who had also left the church that I had gone to. He was my best friend. We were actually in the same ministry for a while. He led the campus ministry for a little bit. And he didn't tell me to leave. It was no overt, hey, you should get out. And I think, unfortunately, that is the, that's the understanding that people within the church have, is that if someone gives you a different perspective, they're luring you away from God completely, and that's not the case. Mm-hmm. But he did give me a lot of good things to think about. And a lot of it had to do with, like, is your faith sincere? Is your passion sincere? Is your joy sincere? And if it's not, figure that out. And he said, I don't have all the answers. I can't answer that stuff for you. Uh, but even having somebody to bounce your thoughts of, off of and someone to give you a good set of questions to ask someone who's religious, because those questions led me to talk to different pastors and different, different uh, people who were also Christian yet went to a different church to ask different mm-hmm. questions and things like that. And that helped me along. But you're right. It's not something that's meant to be done alone. It's definitely not something right. that, that we have the capability to do alone. I know I, I don't. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Nope. But on the flip side, when it comes to really going after reconstructing, building up a faith or a walk with God, that it really, yes, it really does have a lot of great ownership to that. Is there any advice that you could give to, to our listeners in that realm? A couple books off the top of my head is Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis and The Purpose for God by... Tim Keller. No, The Reason for God by Tim Keller. I think those are really good books that tell the basic truths of Christianity. I think they transcend denominations. And so if somebody's reconstructing from deconstruction, I think those books can help answer what you might have a theological issue with. Um, I think during reconstruction and deconstruction, you should be really honest about why you don't believe the things that you used to believe. Mm-hmm. That's that's really important because, like I said, I, if somebody's wanting to date somebody that's not a Christian and uh, the first person is a Christian, that's going to be a different issue than do I believe Jesus is the son of God or not. So right. you're going to be dealing with different things. But I think theologically and doctrinally, the reason for God and mere Christianity can really help show you what the Christian life is really about. Um, And then of course, get into the Bible. And there's a lot of resources out there to teach you how to read and understand the Bible. It can be really difficult, of course. Um, But I think it's just a pattern, unfortunately, that a lot of people don't read the Bible enough. Um, So I think Mm -hmm. people that deconstruct probably don't have a history of reading the Bible often to know what they're actually rejecting. Um, so I think it's really important to read the Bible and know what it's about. The book of Mark is, I think it's the shortest gospel. So that can kind of give you an introduction to what Jesus's life was about and what he did and what the Old Testament is leading up to and what the New Testament is all about. Romans and the book of James are also really good. Lots of truth. So yeah, I think just total embarrassing honesty with yourself, being willing to admit things and ask hard questions and not being afraid to doubt, um, I think are what um, you should pursue in reconstruction. Yeah, that's a great point that you made about why you don't believe what you don't believe. Because I think there is a difference between I want to have a full, healthy view of God and the Bible and Christianity versus 
I just want to do drugs. Like, yeah. I don't understand why I can't do drugs and follow God. Like, that's that's obviously a different yeah. podcast episode, but that mm. is different. It, it's decon- you, deconstruction is meant on that level of like, why I don't believe what I don't believe, the concepts of God and, and stuff like that. It's not just, yeah. I want to do something that's blatantly sin. Why can't I do it and still be a Christian? Because the Bible does lay that out. The Bible does yeah. have specific answers for that. And so mm-hmm. that's a whole different topic completely. But that's a very good point to make about why or what deconstruction and reconstruction is. It's not just a simple, I want to rebel and I want to, like, why can't I have the things that I have? Or why can't I have the yeah. things that I want and and Jesus too? Yeah. Different conversation. Starting place for deconstruction and reconstruction. That's really good. Well, Scott, thanks for being on. Thanks for helping me personally a ton and and hopefully the listeners really do get something out of this when it comes to taking the things that we've learned about our walk with God and who God is and taking that apart in deconstruction in the hopes of building something solid, something sincere, whether it's God mm-hmm. or whether it's something else. And I know you have you have mentioned this before. People want to know more about you as a person. You you do release articles. You're a bit of a writer. Where could they find out a little a little something about that? Yeah, I started writing for an online newspaper, um, graciously a friend of my high school teacher who I do online work for. He connected me. Um, It's called the RoanokeStar.com. And if you go to the columnist page, I'll have, I'll send it to the editor every two weeks. Um, I only have two articles up, but it's kind of going to be a reflection on the kind of essays I, I write to process things. I just put one up about having a baby during a pandemic because we got a four month old. Um, So it'll be just a way for me to express my thoughts out in public. And there's a comment section. It's on their Facebook page too. If you want to express your ideas and share your ideas on what I had written about something that I've really been enjoying doing. Yeah, that's awesome. So listeners, if you want a little, a little bit more of getting to know Scott, go check him out there. Um, but if, if they have any questions for you personally, maybe they want to share their own stories or more in-depth questions about deconstruction or reconstruction, is there a certain way that they could contact you, even if it's just to be a safe space for them to share their own stories? Yeah, I'm okay with uh, giving you my email address. Probably John will put my name spelled right in the notes, but it's scottbellavia at gmail.com. Yeah. And I'll put that up there. It'll be on the, on the introduction for you guys on the Instagram page for this podcast, for the Facebook page for this podcast. If you guys have any questions about anything that we've discussed today, feel free to contact me. Feel free to contact Scott. He is obviously a little more wiser than me. Uh, and then when it comes to reconstruction, I'm sure he could put you in a lot better place for direction. Like I said, I'm, I'm kind of learning how to do that right now. But Scott, thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much for for taking the time to be a part of this, to give our viewers something to viewers for allowing our listeners just a tidbit and your insight, which has been super helpful for me personally. Uh, Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time.